The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. I'm sure people will want to get in touch with the very first item we are discussing. Do you wear a uniform? As part of your job, do you wish it were otherwise? Well, Virgin Atlantic have today announced new relaxed protocols around their uniform policy. They are going to offer employees a suite of uniforms to choose from and this will enable workers to champion their own individuality. It does beg the question whether uniforms are needed. Are they necessary? Are they outdated in the world of 2022? Well, Terry Prone is chairman of the Communications Clinic and she's with me now. Uh, Terry, do, do you make the staff on the private jet wear uniforms? <laughs> oh, I wish, I wish, I wish. No, but it is interesting that this uh, development is happening in the airline business, because in the very early days of passenger flight, people were so scared to get on a plane that the decision was made to dress the staff in effectively military uniforms so that they looked like army officers. And that tended to calm down the passengers. They felt that somebody who should be in charge was in charge. And that semi-military look still continues to this day. I mean, if you sit in an airport and you watch crews arriving, the pilot and the co-pilot are still likely to be in very formal, semi-military stuff. It does create... uh, It gives a signal, and it's a signal that hasn't gone out of date. But that's interesting. I never knew that. I guess it makes sense now when you think of the epaulets and the the, the gold rims and the sleeves and all of that. Uh I mean, what's the reason for it? It was always there, so I never questioned it. So that's why they're there. But that's interesting. You make the point that it was about sending a signal. Is there an argument that that is the function of a uniform today? It's why they're still necessary in some situations. They send a signal. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you look at the children going back to school, in the last uh, while, the ones that go back wearing uniforms, the signal being sent is we're all equal here. It's an equaliser. Uh, and it doesn't matter whether it's a polo shirt and a tracksuit bottoms or whether it's a more formal shirt and plaid pleated skirt. It just obviates the possibility of kids arriving in big brand name show-off clothes that make other kids feel bad. So every single uniform um, sends a signal, and it has going back 2,000 years. I mean, the senators in Rome were the only people who were allowed to wear a particular colour toga, and that served two things. First of all, it said, I'm important and you're not. But secondly, if they walked through the marketplace, people knew, oh, your man's a senator, I can talk to him. And so it was a signal that was both boastful, but also helpful. I was on, I was wonder why you march in here in a purple toga sometimes <laughs> uh, on a Friday when when you're in with me. Uh, so I mean, th- there's the argument, the counter argument some make when it comes to kids, Terry, that it stifles individuality. That yeah, it might send a signal, and there might be an egalitarian. Uh, a- a- argument in its favour, but you know, self-expression gets a little muted. Well, I'm not sure that self-expression gets much muted, given that we're going to have Halloween in a few weeks, <laughs> and my God, the level of self-expression and face painting and skeletons and stuff at that stage is going to be unbelievable. But secondly, self-expression doesn't rely 
rely on what your parents buy for you to wear to school. Self-expression is what you do in school and which table you're at and how exciting is the task and whether you get to be the one who explains something to the rest of the group. That's where really important self-expression is. 53106, I should have said, I'm sure people listening uh, to this will have their own views on whether they think uniforms are necessary. Are they outdated? Do they send an important signal? Do they stifle individuality? Uh, keep your views coming in uh, at a cost of 30 cents. Peter Cosgrove is with me as well, Managing Director of FutureWise. Uh, when it comes to the the working environment then, Peter, I mean... There are jobs that necessitate a uniform. I mean, it's hard to imagine people in the the defence forces not wearing a uniform. But you do see it disappearing in other in other areas. I mean, in retail, for example, some shops that have them, but a lot don't. Yeah, no, I mean, look, firstly, I think with any sort of uniform, the number one thing is you need to make sure it's wearable, comfortable, and somebody feels okay in it. Because if somebody feels awful wearing any clothes and they represent you or your brand, it doesn't matter that you're advertising the uniform and your brand, the person isn't very happy in it. So that's the first point. But there is some arguments to say that if everybody's wearing the same uniform in a retail store, we don't all make that lovely, embarrassing mistake where we ask somebody for something and they tell us they don't work there, which I'm (laughs) sure everybody has done. So there is that. But there, there's all, there's all. It's definitely good for the company from a brand point of view. So I, I do see the positives. I, I, my two worries are probably one. Um, there's a lot of co- companies out there when yes, the creativity piece you said about school, but certainly in work, there's going to be times when you want people to have a bit of individuality. So I do think you want people to maybe stand out. Maybe if everybody looks the same, they feel the same. But probably the biggest challenge because the Virgin um, comments came out today where they kind of wanted to take away the binary choices of male or female kind of uniforms. One of the challenges from a gender point of view is lots of uniforms over the last 10 or 20 years have generally been made for men so one piece overalls which haven't been as easy for women if they're out you know all day just going to the toilet or something simple like that or they make boots mainly for men's feet so they're too wide for women's feet despite that they're the right size they're too wide or face masks are designed for one sex not the other so so there are challenges with uniforms so I, I what I'd like us to take away from the news story is maybe we should think a little bit more that who are we designing these for not, not just men or women but like think about that firstly all, all the different ethnic ethnicities we have in Ireland as well when we're thinking about that uh, the, the argument though that you might on foot of binning the uniform then move to an utterly informal atmosphere in the workplace is another worth exploring, Peter, because I mean, the, 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 the argument some might put forward is that, you know, formal attire, again, to use Terry's language, it sends a signal and maybe it sends, you know, it, it there's this mental association maybe it has for people with, with, uh, with gravity and taking a task more seriously. And sometimes that's necessary. And, and there's no doubt from the point of view that, you know, for years when they brought in this thing, Casual Friday, which people remember, people actually didn't enjoy it because they almost literally had to go out and get some other sort of clothes because they were allowed to wear their own clothes, but they also weren't because they weren't allowed to wear ripped jeans and so forth. So it can be more challenging. And there is definitely that, that if everybody is dressed a certain way and back to, you know, the airlines, people are often dressed a certain way that shows a real professionalism. So I think there is something there that is very positive that if people are wearing the same words, if, you know, often when we had Casual Friday in work, not only did people not dress for work, they forgot to shave and everything else. It was almost like a casual day in every other regards. So there is something about it, you know, if you're going to work, that you should do that. The last thing I'll say is that when we've kind of moved back to this work from home culture, um, one of the challenges that we have with our kids is we often used to put on our own uniform, whether we're just talking about a suit, go to work. Now we came back. Now we're in at home 
um, our kids actually don't know when we start work and when we stop. And actually, there's a real challenge with that. We are, ourselves are working longer hours because those rituals of putting on a uniform is like, OK, I'm starting my day. I take the uniform off. Now my day's over. Well, it's, it's funny because I, I remember speaking to a few people and what they were doing was they were going for a little walk around the garden even just to, to, to demarcate the working day from, from, from home life, even though they weren't going anywhere. The uniform, putting on the uniform is another example maybe of that, that walk around the garden. Yeah. Terry, to pick up on, on the point Peter was making about the design of uniforms, uh, and if we're moving towards a kind of a, a a non-gendered uniform, but it's designed for one gender over another, I mean, that raises difficulty, doesn't it? Well, it raises possibilities. I mean, uh, there has always been a tendency to assume that um, we will design for men and it will suit women fine because they don't mind wearing trousers. And like uh, designing pharmaceutical products, they need to be designed for separate genders in separate ways. Some of the things that we've learned down the, the, the years, for example, the guards have new uniforms. I was fascinated the first time I realized that guards up to then were wearing clip-on ties, which seemed to me to be the, so low class, so awful. And then it was explained to me that a tie is the first thing that somebody will grab if they're fighting with you. And that guards in the old days, when they wore real ties that went right around their neck, were gravely hampered. And somebody said, all right, let's do the ones that just have clip-ons so that if somebody grabs them, they just come off. Similarly, when, when we were, I was working at one stage with the hospitals that all became Tala Hospital. And one of them was the Adelaide. And I was looking at the uniforms and they were just the prettiest Edwardian uniforms, white nurses' uniforms with black polka dots and tight little white plastic belts. Mm. And we were working out what uniform should the nurses in the new hospital have. And every one of the Adelaide nurses said, well, don't let's have what we have to wear because it's murder. It's uncomfortable. It is not the work, the clothes of a working woman. And so eventually the nurses in Tala all ended up effectively in trousers and scrubs. They're still easy to identify. You'd still know they were nurses. Mm. But none of the old formality and excessive prettiness. Neve on 53106 says, I'm a teacher in a school with no uniform and it is one of our biggest selling points for prospective students. The students almost essentially have a uniform anyway, so they all just wear tracksuits, but it does give some room for self-expression, e.g. jewellery, tattoos, mohawks, all welcome and no one bats an eyelid. It makes kids very accepting of other people's style and opinions. School uniforms are a hangover of the British school system and we should be like the rest of Europe and scrap them, so says Neve. Ben says, I've my girls in school where apart from sports, the dress code is respectful, kilt and a jumper. Lovely to see. I believe it is good. A code with a bit of responsibility. And Darren says, I had to stop wearing black to Duns because people kept asking me where the porridge was. Darren, thank you for that. Thank you as well to Terry Brown, Chairman of the Communications Clinic and Peter Cosgrove, Managing Director of FutureWise. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.